Podcast. This is John. This is Blix. And this is Trav. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of getting to that border crossing, think it's all nice and clear, and then somebody wants you to walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> this oh. week, we are following up on our last one about Portals 4, and we are finally going to give the long and short of the Coptics. And uh, and we have Trav, who's basically been the primary designer behind them, as to walk us through that. So let me ask you a, a, a basic question here, uh, Trav, and that is that besides what's in Portals Four, do you see the Coptics as a early, middle, or late campaign um, uh, situation? They are definitely a late campaign because. As stated in Port... Actually, we introduced the Coptics back in the Portals 2 supplement where you were seeing them... Well, they firmly entrenched themselves at negative 125's node, both in the Prime and in one of the Alts. Now, negative 125 Prime is the Coptic slave tech mine where basically the Coptics were holding human prisoners and pillaging a post-apocalyptic world for its technology. So if IDET gets out to negative 125, that's definitely a late campaign moment. And, wh- and why is that, Trav? Well, I don't think they would get to the negative 120s anywhere before 20 years out. Because it's so far away? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, what I'm trying to get at is that due to the way we've designed the game, which is that um, as that all that primarily all of the portals are pretty much locked down, and that as you gain more and more uh, higher level security crystals, you go and unlock portals. But you see, there's always portals back when that happens. There's always portals back near Earth Prime that suddenly now are available. So there's no great impetus to continue to move out in an ever-increasing thing like it was in the original game where you went on to a, a platform and there were eight portals and they were all open. And some of them were bad, some of them were good, but the point was they were all open and if you didn't like any of those, then you went to the next platform out, uh, I should say the next node out, and, then, and so forth. And you could actually go out a hundred nodes just looking for something that interests your team um, in a let's say a comparatively relatively short period of time but now the way we're doing it is that it keeps these every time they find a higher level crystal it basically draws everybody back toward earth prime again because now there's all this new stuff for them to check out and they can draw upon the resources of the portals they've already explored on the same platforms as you know in the discovery and problem solving of whatever they find in those new portals. So there's not a whole lot of drive to keep going out 125, 140 portals in either direction unless there's something that says, "Hey, we need to go out." Well. I believe, and I and I gave Rich this list a couple years ago when he started on Portals 4, and yes, he even admits he will never let a project go three years to do again, because that, that's pretty much how long it took Portals 4 to come out. There were signs of the Coptics, I believe in the negative 80s, 
like the negative 88th node. So, I mean, even out that far, they're going to see that, that, okay, there's these people leaving. Basically, the Coptic's crest, I guess, would be a laurel wreath over the top of a pyramid, like a circle over that triangle. And as IDET, United gets out more and more, and they start seeing more and more of these, it doesn't take a genius to notice that there's a pattern and possibly a new power center in this area of the fringe paths. So, as I said, negative like 88.2 or 88.4, I, I, I don't have my printout of all the fringe pages that I have in my big blue binder with me here. But yeah, I would see after a while they would start realizing that there's a new player on the field because they've managed to to quiet down the fringe pirates. They found either a cure for the Melor or Melor busting weapons. We've always decided you could go either route as far as making the Melor out of the way. Yeah, I mean, once you know that the Meller are there and you start carrying weapons of a certain uh, impact force, you know, uh, especially automatic weapons, then the Meller, unless they really come at you in huge hordes or they're really smart, uh, they, they're they not as much of a threat as they are when you set in the first, you know, in the early campaign where you're literally being caught by surprise by them. Well, yeah, like, like pretty much how we planned it was yeah, you're dealing with the fringe pirates throughout the first, you know, because we branded it year zero to year five is the early campaign. Year five to year 20 is the middle, 20 and on is the late. So you'd be dealing with the fringe pirates and maybe one or two appearances of the Melor, just enough to put the fear of God into your players. Then when you get to that middle part of the campaign, it's mostly the Meller you're dealing with and maybe a fringe pirate seller too that's out beyond, you know, you've gotten out farther and there st- still are some fringe pirates who haven't gotten the memo that Unite is now a power center. Because by the middle of the camp, by the middle campaign, it, it not so much that the new Commonwealth is forming, but these people who call themselves IDETs from Unita or Earth Prime the memo will have gotten out at least to the most of the fringe pirates. Okay, stay away from these guys. They they've got the hang of things. And toward the end of the middle campaign, that is when I would think you would start seeing these posts with the laurel wreath atop the pyramid, and it would it, it the term foreshadowing. That's it. You, you as a GM, can start foreshadowing, like, wait a minute, we're seeing something with Rome and Egyptian flavor. You know, we're seeing 7.62 millimeter bullet shells at a farm, and, you know, we find this another site with these bullet shells and blood in the snow with these 200-foot statues. And you can start foreshadowing that the Coptics are there. Once you get, fully in, the late, once you get fully in the late campaign... That's when you can bring them out more and they become this massive threat wanting to take over their area of the fringe paths and then causing trouble for Unita. Yeah, Trav, there would be, even though there there won't be very many, there probably will be a few refugees heading this way. At least, you know, uh, walkers who decide, oh, not going to deal with these folks and they start heading back hopefully ahead of the Coptics. So there may be some notice that they ran into something interesting out there, which could be the reason why someone might say, strap on, you know, get the 100-gallon fuel tank, or get, get, you know, get, the, get, the, get the, uh, the big, you know, 200-gallon fuel tank. We're going to go for a drive and see yeah, what's out ba- there. <laughs> yeah, basically these, you know, they're refugees I never thought of. Yeah, I mean, there would be, well, it wouldn't be refugees from a world. It'd be like fringe, tra- various forms of fringe travelers, like a group of old men or a group of slargs or some fringe gypsies or whatever. And they're giving yep. warnings of, okay, there are these people out here and they're mm-hmm. causing trouble. You know, we're just yep. passing the word. And then that would give 
united the impetus to say, okay, we need to check this out because they're heading this way. And that's when when they get into the, the negative 80s, negative 90s, and then the negative 100s, they'll be seeing more and more alts and a, a prime or two that these Coptics have stopped off at and caused havoc. Yeah, um, that would be a... That would be a major trip, though, because... Well, yeah, uh, but they, I, I think that with the groups of fringe refugees coming toward Earth Prime and warning them, Barodin and Hatsumi and all the Dramatis Personae at Hatsumi base would be like, okay, this is a problem. We're starting to get too much talk about these guys. We need to start sending some exploratory teams out to, to get some recon done. Yeah, and maybe set up travel bases. That is, go as far as they can on a, on a hundred gallons of, of fuel, and then find some place they can get more and set up, and set up a base, so to speak, yeah. so that you could then basically fuel the next the next uh, scouts to come along. Yeah, because it's, um, it's, it's going to be a major project. Yeah. Oh no, it's going to be a big project. There, there's no, there's no, you know, trying to bypass it. That going out to you know, negative 80, negative 90, negative 100. You have to remember, each node is 50 miles apart. Therefore, you're going to have, you have to, you know, think realistically about logistics and supply lines and allies out that far out. So this is going to be, I mean, as I said, you can start bringing, foreshadowing them in, you could start having those fringe refugees coming in during the very end of the middle campaign where it's maybe 18 to 20 years after fringe discovery, which we based it in 2013. So the early 2030s, if you're going through the fringe calendar, you're basing it as 2013 as FD0. Then that would get I, you know, the boys in Unida going, okay, we're starting to get all these words about Coptics and Roman Egyptian army and all this. Okay, we need to start setting up bases out there so we can extend our presence, as it were. Or you want to set up um, fire bases, and not in the sense of of, of like a, uh, something for them to... To, to, in order to defend, but something that they will attack and destroy. You know, you, you basically set up a bunch of stuff, and then you come back later on, and if you see that it's all been taken down by somebody, then you know that their scouts have come out and basically you know, did a preemptive strike on your bases, and you can figure out where your defendable border is or where their extent of, of stretch is. Uh, I mean... Eh- and and also don't forget all any uh, peaceful uh, pocket stops. You know, the peaceful a peaceful pocket stop is worth its weight in gold because you can you can use that as a storage base as well. So if you put in if you do set like a little storage base and you come back and it's been raided, and you may it might be Coptics, it might be a walker going, "Ooh, look at all this free stuff," you know. But see, that's, that's the be, thing that I, yeah. I that equipment costs money. And I'd be like, do I really want to just set stuff there at with a free sign that says "Take as you please"? I Trav, uh, men and women are very expensive. Equipment is not is it's not very expensive at all. And you you do it smart. You do it in a way that you know you 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 put certain things out there. You see what they take. If they show up and they only take food, well, they're probably a fringe walker. Okay. If they go and they break into strong boxes and take you know some uh, not terribly important pieces of technology, but something that looks interesting, then you know they're a technological people. And that tells you information. What they take tells you yeah. something about them. Yeah. And okay. if they dig, dig up the, and they dig up the ground and find the little hidey hole you you buried with the barrel in it with all the really good stuff, then you know they're really interested in finding out what, what, what we're about. Well, then again, also there's the one uh, function of the crystal keys that if you really want to hide the good stuff, you just merge it with the ground. There is a function 
if you look on the crystal key chart in Fringe of the D20, where you hide the really good stuff, you know. And if <laughs> yeah, if if they know that, then you can know okay, they really know how to use fringe keys, and they're at our level, right? But but for example, uh, we know that they are not the same tech level as IDET. IDET's a higher tech level, so um, you know there's going to be stuff that they can't use, right? I mean, you could have things like, oh, well, just say for example, if you have you know, uh, a bunch of diesel generators, okay? And those are taken, but nobody bothers to take the un, um, uh, the boxed up uh, solar panels with the, you know, really high quality, um, you know, film so that it produces a, a really good amount of electricity. Well, that tells you something about where their technology is. Yeah, because we figured out, and I think Rich may have altered it a little bit. I think he may have threw in some steam vehicles that, are barely put together from what I remember in Portals 4. Generally, we all decided, and this was us four and Paul Nunez, we all decided that they've got about a Korean War-level war machine. So we're talking very early 1950s tech, at the very most. So computers to them are still room-sized. If you were to hand them a smartphone, they wouldn't know what the heck it was. You'd have to explain it to them. So, yeah, what the, as far as what they would take, yeah, you could gauge what they are after by what they take. Um, as far as their designs, I kind of got a beat on them just reading the negative 125 node page so, uh, so real quick hey travel while you're looking that up another yeah. thing that you could be um that you could you could tell the coptics have been there uh is is not so much what they take but also what they leave you know because uh people are notorious for leaving their garbage behind well um, yeah and i mean we already know that they tend to use 7.62 millimeter firearms so well, as that's well, if you're seeing that, a lot of that, as I say, it doesn't take an Aspie to pick up that pattern. Well, no, I'm, um, I'm, I was thinking like things like with, with writing, like language and stuff on it. Like, because if they're, you know, if they're in their fifties and stuff, they're probably using a lot of canned goods because canned yeah. goods survive on the path really well. And that was in the fifties, man. Everything you ate came out of a can, right? Yeah. Except for your McNero wrappers, <laughs> right? But I was thinking, you know, like for example, the military, the the C rations. Um, they were basically canned goods, you know, or yeah. not canned, not canned as in jars canned. I mean, canned as in aluminum canned cans. Yeah. Um, yeah, with the peel back tops, sure. With the peel yeah. back tops, right? And so they would inevitably have some. Which C rations was that? Because I was in the army, and our rations weren't in were in peel back cans. They're not Earth Prime, John. Well, no, no, hold oh, on, wait, okay. no, 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 no. I, I know what Bruce is saying. No, John, you're right. They were. You had to open them with with the P38, but um, yes. but but they were aluminum cans. Yeah, and and yes. they would they would have Coptic writing on them, right? I mean, yeah, the, it's an organized the, government. Yeah, the Rome or the the either the Latin or the Egyptian, maybe in Latin with Egyptian symbols, probably would be. Yeah, you know. but but see, it would be unique to them. There would be something that that you could yes. identify as. You'd be like, oh yeah, it's Latin, but I can tell these are Coptic because, um, yeah. you know, they have hieroglyphs mixed in with it or whatever. Yes. And and one thing we know from from what we have read about the Coptics is that these guys are not shy. They're not hiding anything. Oh no. You know, they're, they're basically the they think of themselves as the 800 pounds gorilla walking into the room and you're in my chair. Yeah. Oh no. Well, the way I as I said, I have the negative 125 prime page here, which it's the Coptic text slave mine. I'll read it for those of you who do, you know, don't have all your stuff out while you're listening. Functional Coptic scavenger site run by slaves. There are more than 100 fringe-worthy here mining this failed cultural hell. They are sent out into the vast city ruins to bring back gold weapons and interesting technology for their masters. The ruins are dangerous, filled with animals and a few very annoyed survivors of plague and pestilence. The Coptics will attack the fringe-worthy with salvaged rifles and weapons. They will give no quarter, wear body armor, and use a line of slaves to protect themselves. There are two fringe lords here and a lesser prince. They are arrogant and consider the other explorers fit to be slaves. Now, I've been running the Coptics in my games now for about three, four years. 
I got everything I needed to know just from that paragraph how to play them. And I've... These guys, yeah, they give zero Fs, as it were, trying to make this, you know, PG. They will... If they're willing to have a line, a human shield of slaves to protect themselves, yeah, they're the eight hundred pound gorilla. They don't, especially if they're hey, especially if they're attacking Canada, right? Oh yes, I saw (laughs) the South Park movie. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, Um, but yeah, I got everything I needed to look to run a Coptics based campaign just from that paragraph that Rich wrote. And they have, let's see, yes, here it is, negative 125, comma 4, the Coptic Royal Camp. This mild force of world is a small Coptic supply base and camp of royalty. It is equipped with tent slaves, armed guards, recreational women, and all the luxuries the princes and extended family need. It is obvious the slaves and most of the support personnel hate their masters. This full ring station is guarded by two bunkers and automatic weapons. And, of course, they're in a position where if they fire, they're not going to fire into the portal and activate the, the defense mechanism. I'm sure that they would have probably found that out the hard way and figured, okay, this is how we're going to set up our weaponry so we get maximum fire coverage and minimum shootback from the portal. Uh, also, I believe they made an appearance. Yeah, they made appearances on the 5th and 6th alternate. A woman from the town is missing and can be found chained in the camp in Portal 4. And Dog Day Afternoon, the people are leery of strangers and the dogs are very protective. A week ago, a number of dogs were shot at night. Yeah, these guys don't care. They don't care who gets in their way. And how did I describe to, how do I describe to people? Basically, they come up to you at gunpoint and say, Hi, you're going to work for us. You're either slaves or you're cannon fodder either our cannons or our enemies' cannons. And that's pretty much how they regard anyone else who is not, well, them. On page 24 of the uh, Portals 4 book, it says here, we are at war. Okay? And uh, and this was following a fairly uh, soon after IDET uh, runs into them, according to Richard. Okay, and I've got to raise the question because I'm sure our listener is going to raise it too. And that is, really, the Coptics? I mean, are they even are they even a threat to IDET? Okay, because we are talking the late campaign now, which yeah. means that not only does IDET have a buku number of explorers out there. As a matter of fact, I was earlier they mentioned that there were thousands of explorers at that point, but not very many military people. Still, thousands of explorers. There's, um, uh, they have all the high-tech devices and weaponry they've been fighting up to now. All the experience they've had with fighting the Meller and fighting um, uh, the, the the French pirates. They've uh, they've discovered a Bureau Thirteen world. They've discovered on the way there, I think, or was it the other direction, the, the world where uh, everybody, uh, uh, all the explorers that go into the world gets psionic superpowers. I believe that's the other side. I think, oh gosh, and I just look, wait, hold it. Positive, that's the opposite direction, positive 88, Arrowville. All right, point still is, is that there's no reason for them to expand in one direction without expanding in the other. Unless, of course, they're following a bread, you know, a breadcrumb trail that they... You know that, that that the GMs be giving them. So, my question to you guys is: is that at a 1950s Korean War technology, are these guys even a threat for IDET? And if they aren't, what does it take to make them a threat? Well, my thing is: is by the late campaign, IDET United is just getting out to that point. The Coptics have home field advantage. They've been out there for probably, you know, at least, I think, well, we've already said in Portals 4, we find out the reason why the Coptics are out on the fringe paths. And so they've got a few years' experience out there. Meanwhile, Unita's just rolling up now. Home court advantage. They know where to hide and where to go, where they can surprise people 
And I believe negative 122 prime is an Egyptian world. Therefore, the Coptics have a wonderful place to, to settle down. I believe it's called Kata's World, I think it I think is the name of the, the page, the prime. But yeah, that's negative 122 prime. Now in Portals 4, IDET ends up setting basically a blockade up at negative 124's alt platform. They basically, after, you know, after uh, Sergeant North here in Portals 4 says we're at war, IDET draws the line in the metaphorical sand and says they're not passing here. Right. Well, that's not exactly a war. That's more like, you know, the DMZ between North Korea and South Korea. Yeah. Well, yeah, still, I mean, I mean, it's a point where they don't want the Coptics. Well, the Coptics is sort of the general name that everybody gives them. The Coptics call themselves the Rumi, R-W-M-E. We all know them as the Coptics. And I, I just think that, yeah, they would draw that line there because they're realizing, okay, they're at negative 125 prime. They've accessed three of the alts and the prime that they're on. We figure they've pretty much got that node. It's theirs. Therefore, we're going to set up this area here. They're not getting any farther. Um, yeah, I'm reading here Wayland's reports. Return Emperor's number in three days. Yeah, we are at war. Yeah, I would say that the Coptics, them, as we've said, not being shy... Yeah, they would pretty much make the first move. Because IDET, they're explorers first. They're not looking to gain military power. I mean, they're out there, they're exploring, they're finding out what's out here. They're looking for things to help Earth Prime. Technological and whatnot. And then here comes these guys, you know, with a Roman-Egyptian motif. Shoot first and ask questions, maybe. Yeah, IDET has a fair enough number of military where they're going to be like, okay, we have a problem. These guys are firing at us, and all we did was say, hi. <laughs> but I think I think what we're getting to, though, is Bruce Bruce is thinking, you know, we, we have the technological advantage on these guys. We have the, we have the, the, the fire advantage on these guys. Yeah. And, and, it, and they yeah. don't really outnumber us. That's the question. See, it's not that's not clear at all whether they outnumber us or not, because that's the one to me. That's the main thing that would make the difference be, uh, between the two groups is the Coptics could have a lot more people who are fringe worthy under their control, ready to go out on the fringe paths and bring the war to somebody. If they discovered the uh, the fringe preggers thing, the what? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Maybe they discovered the 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 tricks to to making fringe worthy early on. Right. Well, what I was gonna say is that if they um, uh, if they they we know they have two crystals, and if they have people who are really well trained in using them, then they've got a wide range. They can f- go out into the various worlds and find every single person who is fringe worthy and press them into service. Unlike IDET, who's like pretty please come join our group. They're like, you are joining our group, period, if you, uh, or we will shoot you where you stand and shoot your family first, and then we'll shoot you where you stand. They, ha- they could theoretically have a large personnel advantage over IDET because IDET is at the end of a very long supply chain. Yes. One of my favorite um, riddles is uh, from a, um, uh, a Tarzan movie. And so uh, uh, Tarzan goes up to meet this chief, uh, and he's trying to make a you know a good relationship between him and the people he represents and the chief. And the chief looks at him and says, "After a journey of a thousand miles, you have met your enemy. What's the first thing you want to know?" Where the bathroom is. Okay, John. Well, you say he's, he's my enemy. Okay. Um, how powerful are you? Okay, Trav. I would probably agree with John. How powerful are you? How much of a threat are you to me? All right. Well, the the answer that Tarzan gave that won the confidence of the chief was, I want to know that the journey of a thousand miles was my enemies. 
Ah, ah okay, ah. very good. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And that's exactly what's happening here. The, you, know, you talk about the you know, the home court advantage. There, you know, it's not just a matter of familiarity. They don't have you know two thousand five. I, don't, I haven't done the math. You know, <laughs> five thousand mile long supply chain here. It's five thousand miles out to uh, one hundred. So out to one forty. Yeah, basically, it's another another two. Yeah, two thousand miles. So yeah, you, you're talking seven thousand miles. With vehicles that at, at best at best might get twenty miles to the gallon. Well, and of course we're not. Ta- I mean, that would be ridiculous. We're not talking about that. Those got those those things are being supplied by friends, you know, in various pocket stops and and friendly worlds, much further out than than Earth Prime. But you know, the personnel might are very are are still coming. Would have to come from all along that seven thousand mile range. The Coptics only have. Let's see, negative 140 to negative 125. 15 times 500. Blanking on the math here. Wow. But yeah, basically, they're only they're only 15 nodes away. We're coming from 100. The Coptic supply lines are much shorter, and you know they would have set up stops yeah. too. Oh, yeah. I, I'd imagine that some of your, that IDET team that shows up may only have one person from Earth Prime and everyone else is recruit, recruited along the way. You know, they may decide to split up and, you know, inform, you know, t, you know Team 5, now it's Team 5A, 5B, 5C, 5, you know, because they've recruited people and split up. So they actually have more numbers that way. Is it, you know, of course, you never know what the quality of the recruits going to be like, but hey, you know, that's, that's for role playing. <laughs> My point here is, is that what we don't really have a war here, okay? Well, we we have a we we basically have, like I said, North and South Korea in the DMZ, okay? And there's another factor here, which is that Earth Prime doesn't want a war. The guy says we're at war, but in fact, is Earth Prime doesn't want a war. It doesn't want to fight these guys and and go in and you know drag their their leaders kicking and screaming from their strongholds and hold them up in front of the people and shoot them in the head. That's worked so well for us so far. Right, but it's not what they want to do. So Richard very, very slyly goes and gives them an out, okay? He provides a hostage, Mm -hmm. something that keeps the two sides from attacking one another, even if they wanted to. Yep. Well, actually, if, if I didn't wanted to attack, he could still do that. But basically, he gives a, he, he provides a hostage so that the, the the Coptics won't attack, and they'll respect that DMZ. Yeah. Well, literally long enough for um, things to for negotiation and uh, diplomacy to work. Now, that doesn't mean that, that in your campaign it has to go that way. But I'm just saying in the way he has it written up here in Portals 4 is that there's a very, there's a very uh, strong non-military option available to you. But yeah, that, that's the thing. Usually, IDET, and again, folks, I go by the D20 OGL parlance as far as tech levels. The Coptics are... Mid PL five, as I said, or early PL five, nineteen fifties technology at best. But in Portals four, Rich said that most of their vehicles are steam. By late campaign, uh, Trav, as we know from John, that's not actually an indication that they're not uh, sophisticated mechanically. Okay, it, we just happened to go the direction of the internal combustion. It, it, there, there were a lot of people at the, in the 1920s who really thought that steam was the future. There was a steam lorry in, in England and, and Australia that operated up until the 1940s. Hmm. It was steam powered, and it oper- you know it was a, basically it was like a tractor. It basically was a big steam lorry for carrying large loads. So yeah, it's it's quite possible you know that they have. They just, you know, didn't, you know, take up all that nice, lovely oil that's sitting out there in the Sinai Peninsula and instead you know, have gone steam. For we know, they're oil-fired steam engines. There were steam-powered airplanes. Hmm. I've seen videos of them. Very impressive. They take off just, they take off really fast because they got a tremendous amount of torque. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about taking off? None of that. It's like, boom. <laughs> they just put that thing into gear, and that thing just spins that it spins that blade, and that thing is off. I mean, yes. Well, as far as IDET, Unita, they're at, well, even in Fringeworthy D20, they say they're even at the beginning. They're just, they've just hit PL6, which is the fusion age. So I'm figuring by the late campaign, they're late PL6. It depends if... P, uh, prior to this level 6 is called the Fusion Age. We are real world. We're in late PL5. When we discover cold fusion, if and when we do, we will have hit PL6. When gravity induction engines are created, that will be progress level 7, the Gravity Age. So I would figure I did... Earth Prime has a high PL6. If they're capable of making gravity induction field engines, it's a prototype at best. Or they're salvaged. Right, right. From from the Commonwealth worlds. Yeah. But as far as tech level, yeah, I debt pretty much Earth Prime, we've throughout fringe worthy, Earth Prime are the big boys on the block as far as tech. All of the other cultures that we've seen are lower tech. The Tazeel, the Demixi are maybe equal. The 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 Norlanders, the the heavies, Pax Romana. Oh, we'll we'll get into that later. I'm sure that that that'll come into play. All those other cultures are PL four and the Victorians. They're all PL four and below. IDET has already proven that hey, we're the technological, you know. We're the tech geeks of the group. Well, okay, this is where I hate a single number for a level, because I would say in terms of power, yeah, PL4. In terms of uh, other things, they may even be PL5, the Victorians. It, you know, in terms of certain weapons, remember, they have super science that actually operates on their world. So they may actually, they, they have weapons that we look and go, that shouldn't work. Right, because it only operates on their world, John. Right. That's true. Um, that, yes. Well, yeah, I've always had a, I, I've had one problem with, and as much as I identify and I use it to identify technological levels in my games, they're still within PL5, and I'm looking for the term, gradation. Yeah. The, the, the tech at the beginning of PL5, which is PL5 began when the atomic bomb dropped. The information age, when we dropped that atomic bomb on in, in Japan, the two of them, that's when PL5 began. But the tech now, as compared to 1945, 70 years, vastly different. If you were to hand someone from 1945 my smartphone, they would have no idea what it is. They wouldn't even acknowledge that's a phone unless they see, oh, that little hole's a speaker. Oh my gosh, this is a telephone. Yeah. More importantly, in this particular setting, Trav, we, you know, in 1945, we dropped a nuclear bomb. In, 19, in 2015, we have nuclear bombs that'll chase you down. Yeah. Yeah. We actually have weapons that don't need to be nuclear anymore because they're pinpoint and they actually do more damage to the target and not to everything else. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, the laser guided bombs, the smart bombs, the heat, you know, yeah. They use actually less explosive these days for a lot of those because you don't we need have also tactical nuclear devices which can blow up maybe a few blocks instead of take out an entire city. Yeah. Um so yeah, as far as the tech, yeah. IDET has the Coptics beat as far as tech. Weapons, logistics, um, Tactics, because military tactics will have changed between 1945 and 2015, or even 2035 now. Uh, Let's see, weapons, vehicles, logistics, tactical, all those stuff. Yeah, I I did, what was that, Bruce? Medical. Oh, God, yeah, medical. Oh, jeez. I mean, we, we can take our wounded soldiers and put them back on the line ten times faster than the cops could even dream of doing. Yeah. So, yeah, we kind of have 
the advantage there. Our thing is our supply lines are far longer, and the Coptics know this area, the fringe paths, better. And there's also the question of will. Okay, you know, we don't have a, a, a an abiding reason to push into their territory other than the fact of some kind of of debt manifest destiny that we have to keep moving out ever further out along neg- the negative line. Okay, uh, they, you know, th- they're protecting literally their territory. So, you know, when we push in there, you know, we're going to have to have a really good motivation to do so. And I'm not sure that the idea of, of freeing the slaves is going to sell, you know, back in uh, uh, a lot of the worlds in which we're allied with could be providing all these resources. Yeah, I mean, some of us seen the new, you know, new vision. I mean, you know, like Rome, they'd be realizing we can invest a lot more. Of course, some guys are going, I can actually build a lot more if I train my slaves how to use this stuff. So, yeah, you still have that problem. We talked about this during the, um, uh, I'm sorry, the, this, the, the Black Ops episode, where we were talking about how it was sometimes a better idea to essentially by giving them information allow those you know those technological changes that come with that information to transform their culture to the point in which the very thing that we find so abhorrent is no longer profitable for them to do and they get rid of it themselves yep mhm and i think that's one reason why the the uh political point of view and, and uh you know why richard went the way he did I mean, in the amount of time that they're in standing there in stalemate with the Coptics, a lot of changes occur within the Coptics themselves. You know, the adage, you know, we defeated the Soviet Union with, with refrigerators and, and blue jeans. Yeah. And we, and we outspent them, too. That's the other thing, you know. And theoretically, uh, Earth Prime, I mean, UNITA or the new Commonwealth can outspend the Coptics. Oh, yeah. Set, instead of, you know, just one world being our prime source, we have all the world. Basically, every time the world comes in, it's now part of the of the uh, group, and it gets to contribute as much as anyone else, can, as much as they can. So we have the numbers, you know, both in production and so forth. I mean, a lot of times, if, if a lot of our a lot of our battles are not going to be on a world, they're going to be on the platforms. Yeah. Therefore, Romans and Norlanders, they're just as good on the platforms as as Ided is. Here, yeah. here, okay, I, I got two points I want to make. Uh, the first one, when the Commonwealth finds out about the Coptics, we already have a Roman member of the new Commonwealth, and I'm going to try to shy away from the concept of the alien core because that is rather Earth Prime Humanocentric. The Pax Romana. They might see this new world as like, wait a minute. In a way, these are our brothers. Don't think uh, that there might be some kind of, you know, at, what's the term, ambivalence? Except that they're Christian. And if you remember what I told you about the Pax Romana, that actually is a major thorn in their sight is the Christian sex causing problems. They may just okay. view them as another as another Christian sect and actually they made it join right in and said, How many heads do you want us to get? Okay, <laughs> yeah. So okay, Pax Romano <laughs> will not be a problem then. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who who would be. Uh are, the Nerdliners aren't very particularly religious. Um no. the Elder oh, maybe no no to zeal. It had to be another race we run into It'd have to be another race that the GM creates. I mean, you know, say say you you know the GM decides to create a, a place where um oh where wow where the Byzantic where Byzantium still still rules. That was very that Byzantium was very religious. They might actually view them the Coptics as a splinter sect of of the of the uh, Orthodox Christian religion. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so guys, there's there's something else I was thinking of um, that might make the Coptics nasty uh, because it, it's – I mean how much detail do they go in in, in Portals 4, uh, Trav? Because I haven't really looked at the at, – at their you know their stuff in Portals 4. Is it is it pretty in-depth? Yeah, they get back into uh, – uh, let's see. I'm on page 24 here, the same page that has the sub bar 
or the, the sidebar that says we are at war. The Coptics are a fusion of Roman, Egyptian, and Christian culture that dates back well over 2,000 years. Um, so yeah, Rich gets pretty in-depth, and also, there's another reason why the Coptics would be angry at us. The reason why the Coptics are out and about and being so warlike is that they were technically invaded, and this is in Portals 4. The Chileans found them. Found them first. Yeah, the Chileans were there, and they got out that far and stumbled into negative 140 prime. And you know the Chileans are going to sit there, well, we come from this world, and we got this other you know faction that's there. They call themselves Unita. Here's the symbol of what they use, and of course they're going to have a picture of the UN symbol there to show these guys. The cop and it's like the Coptics are going to go out and they're going to see that UN symbol on there, and they will have a very good reason to shoot birds because people from your world world invaded ours. So yeah, I see that be another reason that the Coptics would have bees in their collective bonnets because <laughs> of the fact that they've already. Yeah, I know. It's a term my grandmother used to use. <laughs> collective bonnets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that just yeah. got me. Collective Basically, they, they would be like, yeah, you guys came and invaded our worlds. And of course, I'd be like, we didn't know you until just now. What are you talking about? And once it finally gets out that it's the Coptics that did it, or the, the, the Chileans that did it, I'd yeah. be like, oh, sorry. That's sort of like their, our dirty secret. We sort of hide under the rug. We don't really talk to them much. Um, it's, it, it's our Uncle Ted, you know. Everyone has that Uncle Ted. Yeah. <laughs> As in Uncle Teddy? The the Black yeah. family, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm thinking also because the Unita uh, symbol is, has a wreath in it. They may just think we're just like just like them. Who? You know, symbology, symb- symbology is important. And yeah, it has the U- United Nations has a wreath on it, I believe. Around it. No, it's just a globe. You're right. Yeah. The, well, the, United, yeah. the UN symbol has the wreath, but the IDET symbol, the IDET and the UNITA symbol doesn't have the wreath around ah. it. We, but you still have the UN symbol, though, so either one would work. You know, I imagine we still fly the UN flag, which I think does have the wreath around it. So it still has, you know, that impl- implication that, oh, look, a wreath. They must be an empire also. Oh, yeah, they would get... Oh, no, the Coptics would get that definitely. Mm-hmm. And they still would probably be very angry. One, they might they might figure out that the Chileans are a splinter faction of this, this empire, that they are not with them. They're just from the same world. But that militaristic of a culture, they decide, it doesn't matter. This world in, in and of itself is a threat. They are a power center. They've come and invaded our world. Or they might even think, hey, you know, the, there might be some disavowing going on. And yeah, they did come and invade our world. The Chileans are just saying, oh, we're not related to them to save their own hides. The part about the history here on page 24, let's see, talks about John Mark of the Gospel yeah. Mark, became their founder and first bishop in 52 CE. Yeah, I'm looking at this now, Trav, and like on the next page, on 25. I thought this was interesting. So it says here in 1300 CE, telegraph, steam engines, and trains, right? Yeah. And, and then, we'll, you know, flash forward 718 years later, and that's where they are now. So in seven, 718 years, they're only into, the, into our 50s? Yeah. Yeah, because the church... Uh, was very restrictive on technology. Anytime new technology was discovered, the church immediately came in, grabbed it, took it for evaluation, and almost never put it out anywhere. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's essentially you got your office of progress in the church. This is, you know, I, you know, I'm as a Christian, I am highly offended at the term Christian being used. It, with the Coptics, because none of it makes, you know, other than the trappings, of course, none of it sounds anything like, you know, the church as I know it. Well, Bruce, Bruce, it's an alternate. I know, but I'm just saying. I'm getting very Eastern Orthodox vibe. Yeah. My, my second marriage was Ukrainian Catholic. On page 25, you see the bishop and all the gold. 
Ukrainian Catholic churches have a lot of gold-looking stuff. I was raised Roman Catholic, so when I first went to these churches with my now second ex-wife, I'm noticing all the gold all over the place. And man, this and I looked at, at Tina, my 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 fiance, then I said, Man, this ain't like Christ the Good Shepherd back in Lincoln Park. Um <laughs> so yeah, I'm noticing Ooh. that it's a very I'm yeah. not I'm not bad. I'm not bad-mouthing the religion. I just noted the differences in the two versions of Catholicism. You didn't That's go the right – because the uh, Catholic Church in Lake Orion was actually fairly ornate. <laughs> so I, but, guess, uh, I guess it depends how much money they had to spend to yeah, build a church. Yeah, but look, look, come on. <laughs> you know, the sects of Christianity, I mean, they vary so mm-hmm. greatly. I mean, you look at the Quakers. Mm-hmm. The Quakers are nothing like – I mean, nothing like the Catholics. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. If you were an outsider and you didn't really know about it, you might even recognize them as even stemming from the same religion. I Just do that. notice something. I do notice something here since Blix brought up negative one forties timeline. Twenty eighteen CE Chilean ASA incursion at Ararat during a royal visit. The results are bloody. The Coptic Church yep. gains access to the fringe paths. They secretly hate the emperor and begin to plot. Okay, Rich, yeah, Rich changed from what he and I discussed. <laughs> and Rich has that right. It's his, it, he asked me for historical research. He went this route. That's cool. GM Fiat, do what you like. How, I, how he and I discussed it was that during exploring their world, the, the, the portal itself, they say Ararat, we put it that it was somewhere in the Taurus Mountains, which run along the southern coast of Turkey. They went on through an inlet, and they found the fringe portal in a cave. And from there, they went out and first explored their world. That's where they found the portal in Ethiopia, in China, and in Central Europe up in Germany. He never declared where the other four portals were. We decided the Americas. Apparently, Rich put it here, now he has changed it, where they don't find the portals until pretty much modern day. No, they found them uh, two millennia ago, but they kept it a secret until modern day. Well, it says the results are bloody as the Coptic Church gains access to the fringe paths. Right, but they discovered the portals themselves 2,000 years earlier. It's it's over uh, uh, just to the left of that. Let's see. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. They knew of the portal station at the edge of Mount Ararat. This they kept secret as a gift from God. This would later influence their reactions to the discovery of the fringe paths nearly two millennia later. Doesn't mean they could use them. They found the portals. Okay. But nobody was fringe worthy. All right. Yeah, they found in twenty seven in twenty seventy seven uh C E uh current era. So yeah. I'm still having a hard time accepting these guys as a, as a plausible threat. <laughs> uh, you have to consider the psychology of IDET and them. Now, because, you know, depending upon how this religion is, and it's not very clear to me, but if, if in fact is, is that they are really resolute where, you know, if, you're, if you die in the... Because co- they don't... One of the things that's missing out of this whole equation is there is no Muslims. Yeah, you know there doesn't appear to be any uh, you know uh, Islam at all. So if these people are basically selling the concept to all of their soldiers and even the slaves that if you die in the service of the church you go straight to heaven, then and they're and they're and they're they're basically drinking their own Kool Aid. Okay, they may be willing to literally slaw you know throw a wall of flesh at Idet. And break Idet's heart. Oh yeah, we can't kill more of these people. They're just they're just throwing themselves on us. We're killing them. We're mowing them down. The, there's literally we're knee deep in blood. Okay, they won't stop. We just can't keep doing this. And they could literally win by uh, us losing the will to fight. Okay, all right. Well, there, well, there's that. And you know, yeah. but I was another thing I was thinking of is you know there, there's the other uh friend make you know make fringe worthy quickly trick is you know the what is it the 88 miles per hour is it 88 it's 200 something is it, oh really 200 something yeah. it's not that much it used to be 400 okay yeah. all right 
So what if, what if they're making, you know, shock troops by using that method? I mean... Okay, wait, wait. Stop. 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 You've lost me here. What is this now? Is this something new yet that I'm still learning? We, we mentioned this on an earlier podcast. Uh, you can induce fringeworthiness if you basically throw people through a portal fast enough. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We we've talked about this before. Once again, folks, I've been with this company for ten years. I'm still learning every <laughs> podcast. But you said that the last time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and according to Richard, now that you know, basically, uh, you missed this one, uh, Peter. Uh, the portal um, automatically decelerates anything going faster than a, a few miles an hour. Okay. So you shoot bullets, or they go, beep, and they fall off the air side. Yeah. <laughs> If they don't just disappear entirely and the portal glows. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah, he did that too. He said, well, what happens if we like, you know, set off a bomb on one side? Does it go through? And he says, no, the portal just kind of glows a lot. All right. So, wait a minute. so, so does the, does the t- 200 mile an hour thing work? Yes. Okay. So you shoot people, you fire people at this thing so that, so that they're traveling at 250 miles an hour. Which means you have to catch them. You know, you have to have some kind of a catcher set up on the platform. No, 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 no. From what John is saying is they go through the other side and they just kind of fall down. Yeah, you just got a big pillow on your side. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, I see what you're saying, John. I, I, I never took it that way. I mean, he was talking about weaponry. I, would, I didn't think he was applying to, to actually peep. And it, would, and it wouldn't work anyways because... If you're taking an entire, I mean, they're not just firing people through. Probably they're probably in a vehicle. If the front half of the vehicle slows down like that, the back half doesn't. It's going to get ugly. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. And, and, and if that's true, your engine should stop when you go through because your engine is definitely going. Actually, your engine is going around 200 miles an hour. Yeah, even more than that. Yeah. So I'm just saying that I think he's talking more about the idea of a, of a, of a projectile like a bullet or something like that. If you're driving a vehicle, you know, if, if you have like some kind of a steam-powered Maserati and you're firing down the fringe paths at 200 miles and 300 miles an hour, there's no reason why when you go through the portal suddenly you get throttled down to nothing. Well, here also, you got to remember, it's not the path goes directly into the portal. There is that ramp. Yeah. Yep. So when you go through that portal, you're going through the air, and even if you stop, momentum is still going to carry you quite a distance before you come down rather hard. Now, I'm not a physicist. Not necessarily. <laughs> we already know the fringe paths break rules. The best way of doing this is, is basically an intentional uh, great train wreck where you essentially are flying through the portal um, in some kind of a vehicle that can basically do some kind of gliding, and um, and you you basically, as you say, Trav, you're 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 going to be in the air, and you go across, and you go through the the the, the twenty five foot portal on the other side, okay, and then and and because you're already fringe worthy because you went through it whatever, and then you land in the world on the other side in a safe way. So I mean, if they wanted to, to make a big induction thing by doing this. Then they could easily uh, they could set up something like this. Matter of fact, they could even put a ramp from one portal to the other across the six hundred feet to the other portal. So you literally went through, got grabbed by the you know like a monorail kind of thing, or you know wrapped around you know and just got scooted all the way across the other side and through the other portal, so you didn't go bouncing off into the matter energy interface and dying. Well, um, I can imagine that not a few slaves were tested to find out what the velocity was, because the first three guys probably... Um, well, they wouldn't even do it unless somebody told them, John. That's true. Actually, I'm looking at page 29C, uh, page 39 real, and it mentions um, basically high-speed projectiles. So that actually is... So, okay, we're talking like uh, rifle rounds that hit uh, they go supersonic but not necessarily pistol rounds, which don't go supersonic. This is something that Richard added, and we're going to have to think about this a lot more. I personally liked it better the way it was. You know, Richard used to tell me stories about the old days where they were firing cannons through the portals. That's where I got the idea of shelling a Hatsumi base. 
cannon with a, with a low charge does not go supersonic. I didn't say anything about that. No, but but the thing is, it's a high. So he says high speed projectiles. So that pretty much means you you're going supersonic. You're going at least Mach one. Yeah, that makes sense. That's what the crack is when the bullet comes out. Yeah. Now I hate to be in the supersonic jet going through because that means you hit, and the front end's now going at no velocity. But here comes the rest of the jet. That's going to be ugly. Well, that's what I said. I don't think it applies to macros, things like vehicles. Yeah. I think we're talking about something that you are hurling away from you. Though I imagine the boats are probably flattened when they come out the other side, though. Just because. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, because we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.